Coming up, today's guest is the co-founder and CMO of a popular European dating app called Once. You'll discover how linking to articles in their Facebook ads led to lower CPIs, how they generated PR from their user surveys, and how they broke from their value proposition when they monetized. All that and so much more. The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. AppRadar will save you time with their unified and connected ASO workflow and save you money with their Apple Search Ads team who will optimize your campaigns and increase your ROAS. Go to AppRadar.com to learn more. With over 120 million happy users, Theorem Reach is helping app developers make more money with fun, rewarded surveys that you can easily add to your app. Go check out theoremreach.com to learn more. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of AppMasters.com, the place you go when you want action-packed content in the app business. I talk to some phenomenal people in the app space, figure out how they grew, how they got the traction, how they kept their users, and then how they eventually monetized their users as well. And today, I've got a phenomenal guest all the way in London right now, but originally from France, and he's got a very popular app that's more focused on the European market, but it's called Once, and you can check it out by going to getonce.com. So without further ado, let me introduce guest. He is the co-founder and CPO of Once, Guillaume Duchet. Guillaume, welcome to the show. Thank you, Steve. How are you? I'm great, brother. Hey, I'm super excited to have you on. I got an email from you and you provided me some details. Tell us a little bit of background of Once, what you guys been able to accomplish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Once uh, was born five years ago. Uh, uh, the CEO came to me and uh, told me like, I'm going to raise 3 million and launch a dating app. And I was like, whoa, seems like a, a nice story. So uh, I listened to it uh, and his idea was to... Uh, I proposed a new dating service that was kind of the opposite of Tinder. Instead mm -hmm. of having to swipe thousands uh, of profiles to get a connection, uh, we would like choose for you uh, a profile every day. And, uh, and uh, so instead of focusing on quantity and uh, try to, to get the, the right one as soon as possible, uh, take your time, kind of, a, they call it the slow dating. Uh, so pick, your, uh, pick a match for you every day and, uh, and uh, yeah, if you like each other, you're gonna connect and uh, and talk. So that was the pitch uh, five years ago, and uh, yeah, we started from there. That's awesome. And you guys have been able to grow significantly through that. The thing I want to focus on is: has that product changed? That original vision of quality. Are people still interested in that quality stuff, or have you guys changed any product features based on that original premise? Yeah. So uh, the focus is still on quality. So. Uh, that's still the main thing of the app, but uh, uh, that's something I, I learned that is very important is that you have one concept and one way to see your app, but in fact, you're going to have as many, uh, you know, as many behaviors, uh, as many ways to use it uh, as users. So uh, for sure, we have people still coming for that, that, that quality, quality stuff, so your daily match, but uh, uh, along the road, we had to add uh, other features and, uh, and, uh, and grow uh, different engagement metrics. Uh, so yeah, now you have other options to connect with users, and so people still uh, use one for, for this quality match we, we we bring you every day. 
but uh, other users are looking for uh, something else and uh, you have to address every need so uh, if you want to engage as many users uh, as you want. Maybe we could talk about the user acquisition side for a dating map app it's so yeah. hard like you want users in a very concentrated area right that's where it really starts picking up so how did you guys start approaching user acquisition and primarily in the launch phase maybe in the early phases how oh, to be uh, to be honest with you at the beginning it was uh, kind of difficult because uh, we came there and there was already some competi competitors already there like uh, at first we tried in the US and the coffee is bigger was already there so we had some journalists uh, telling us like you know, it's kind of the same story and, uh, and I can't do it again. And the mm. uh, and, uh, US was also a big market, uh, probably too big for uh, the money we had. So we focused uh, on Europe where the story was brand new and competition a bit less difficult, to be honest. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, I think one, one, one thing that helped us at the beginning uh, was we launched in our own country. Uh, so it was easier to get stories about us in the media. What country and is that? Uh, France, in France. Okay. So uh, we had a, a much better preparation for our launch in France and uh, we managed to get some good PRs and, and, and focus maybe on Paris, which is the capital. And uh, we, had a, we had a proper launch uh, there. Uh, but, you know, uh, PR and uh, articles about you are one thing, but uh, uh, you, you always need more than that. Uh, and uh, it's even more true uh, in the dating industry uh, because uh, it's an industry where there is a lot of money. So if you want to like stay consistently in, uh, on top of the charts, um, uh, you still have to, to do some paid acquisition and, and a lot of paid acquisition. So we, we, have to be, we had to become very good at paid acquisition at some point uh, mm -hmm. uh, because it's a very difficult job if you want to optimize it. Uh, you know, like when you want to, when you start to, to spend some money, uh, you want to spend your money carefully. Uh, and uh, so what you need to do uh, as an app developer is like, is be able to compute your LTV. So how, how much money a user is going to bring to you uh, with your app. So you need to, you need to monetize. So already start, try, I, mean, I mean, already monetize is kind of difficult, but when you monetize, you, you, you need to be able to compute your LTV, which is also very difficult mm. to be accurate. And once you know your LTV, you basically know how much you can spend on your acquisition. So we had to build tools to optimize uh, all that, uh, optimize our uh, uh, conversion to a paying user and the computation of the LTV. Uh, so at the beginning, we were kind of blind and bit by bit, uh, we built the tools to, to be much better at this. So yeah. Uh, and to be even transparent with you, like more recently, we did focus a bit more on ASO and uh, I, I work with uh, different specialists and uh, they kind of agree with me uh, that specifically in our industry, ASO doesn't have that much of an impact uh, because what happens is that the keywords uh, bringing most traffic are the brands themselves. Mm -hmm. So in our industry, what you need to do is to build your brand. And on the long run, in today's world, it's very expensive to build a brand. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's why the competition is very tough, is that at some point you need to build your brand and you need a lot of resources. How did you go about, when you said you got really good at paid acquisition, what were your primary channels for paid acquisition? So uh, at first we managed to really launch well uh, with Facebook uh, and Facebook was much cheaper at that time. So we still use Facebook quite a lot, uh, but a, a lot of Googles. There's a, another very important reason why we, we focus on Facebook and Google is that we know the, the, the traffic coming from there is very reliable and a good quality. So 
uh, it's very stable. Uh, we have very consistent behavior uh, of the users. Uh, and another thing is that when you go in smaller uh, ad networks, you may end up with some uh, hackers uh, that are like uh, doing fraud on installs, stuff like that. It's very long to investigate, but you find out uh, that you have like thousands of installs that are fake. Uh, so it's very difficult, but we did try a lot of uh, channels like Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, and at the end of the day, we focus on the most stable and with the best ROI uh, channels. And that was Facebook, huh? Well, are there any interesting tips that you can share with us on what worked really well on Facebook? Did that messaging, that brand messaging about qual quality over quantity, what, you know, did that really engage users too? Uh, I know we, we, we used to, um, uh, it's not exactly, it's not possible anymore, I think, but uh, we, we used to, uh, you know, work with the, uh, the agency or the influencers uh, we were working with and we were asking them the right to uh, uh, promote the con some, some of the content they have on, on their page and this content would be our article. And, uh, and instead of uh, pushing, you know, like a, uh, a blonde girl, you know, in a nice picture, what we would put is an article talking about us and uh, uh, so this would be uh, much more effective uh, in some cases than a, a, a standard uh, a visual. And nowadays, uh, it seems that video is working well, you know, very small clips. So now we are a bit more focused on that and uh, try to mix with some PR strategies. Oh, I like the article. So yeah, you found an influencer. Didn't it have to be a big blog, did it? Or was it a somewhat big size? How did yeah, that work? Yeah, yeah. It could be big blogs, you know, having a lot of audience on their Facebook page. Uh, and it's a trick you can't do anymore, but uh, uh, you could ask uh, what, uh, I can't remember the exact name, but the, uh, like the, the publisher role in their page and they could give it to you and you could use that role to promote one of the, one of the articles they would publish about you. Got it. I like that. And That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, it was working well. We can't, you can't exactly do that anymore. Okay. <laughs> Shucks. The, what you said with video? Yeah, as I said, Facebook is much harder now than it was three or four years ago. There is a totally. lot more competition. Not maybe nowadays because, you know, with the lockdown. Uh, but, uh, uh, but yeah, uh, there is a lot more people on Facebook than it's just, uh, just to be. Yeah. With Facebook video ads, I've heard that, you know, maybe even using influencers on these video ads have them create the content using that as a content for the ads and work for others. And then also like very short punchy videos work too. What have you found to work well from a video ads perspective? Um, ah, I'm not the one mainly focused on that nowadays, but uh, I, I know I just spoke to my marketing guy today and he told me that uh, right now it's really very small videos uh, that are working well. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, the good thing is that you can also reuse quite a lot, you know, uh, when you have something working well, you keep it on the side and six months later, usually you can reuse it. So along the way, uh, you can build kind of a library of assets that are working well and reuse them. So it's not, at the beginning, we were producing a lot of assets, you know, and having our own designer in the marketing team. But now we can, uh, we can reuse, uh, which is much, much cheaper. Yeah, totally. And you have a example of a ch really cheap influencer marketing campaign where you launched a feature in 2019 of yeah. where people could rate other pictures. Too. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, in fact, in, uh, in the app, we have a, a screen when you can rate profiles to, to give us an idea of uh, what, the, what, what the kind of profile you like. <laughs> and uh, uh, when you, we, we thought we could reuse the data and uh, get some kind of rating on your pictures. 
and um, we thought we could try uh, to do a, a PR stunt uh, with a feature that where you could basically see how much other users are putting uh, on your pictures. And uh, the, the whole idea behind that was uh, uh, was to try to do some uh, re-engagement co campaign by email. And so we developed that feature, and this feature, for some reason, on the technical side, was very cheap. And then just what we did was uh, launching a big emailing on different countries. And uh, one day we went to work, and we didn't know why, but we, we looked and we were like, oh, it seems like there is a bug in our KPI. We had 14K signups yesterday. And we were like, what, 14K signups? Which was like probably our, uh, our biggest day ever. And, uh, and uh, the thing which was even more weird is that we, we, were, we are measuring almost everything. And we had no idea where, where this was coming from. So we were like, like uh, having, a deep, uh, having to deep dive you know, in the data. And we found out that uh, the 14K signups were coming from the US. They were all men, all iOS. And we were like, what, what is happening? And after a few hours, we found out that uh, 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 a journalist uh, from a, uh, a sports website in the West Coast uh, uh, received our email and picked up the stories and, and put us on the headlines. And it was completely unexpected for us. And, uh, and yeah, it ended up being a, uh, an excellent PR coup uh, for us uh, with a lot of signups during like maybe two days and it was uh, uh, quite a, a big surprise. But on the other end, you know, what was funny is that uh, Apple uh, didn't like the, the feature at all and they called me directly and telling me, you know what, you're going to remove this feature. So, you know, uh, how it works with Apple, there's no way to talk about it. Uh, and uh, what we did is that we, we did remove the feature and uh, yeah, uh, this was a uh, a good PR coup in the US and uh, the story worked on other countries as well. That's a good thing when you have a, quite a big scale, you can reuse the same story uh, in many countries. Uh, and yeah, it worked well for us. But one thing to note uh, uh, and is important is that you can't focus only uh, on having PR coups, uh, uh, you know, PR bus, because like you're gonna create a, uh, a, an install spike, you know, but this won't last, you know, it will last one day or two days uh, and not more. So at the end of the day, uh, you still have to, uh, to know how to do some acquisition in your industry and uh, just to, to keep going. So having PRQ is interesting to get backlinks also because if you get some articles, you get backlinks and it's gonna help you, uh, 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 you know, on the stores, uh, but, um, but uh, that's not enough. So, yeah. and another thing to note that I think is very important is that it's very good to, to build features that are PRable, you know, that you, you can do press release about it, but you shouldn't do it if it's not a clear benefit in your UX. Uh, to be honest with you, we had a couple of uh, uh, like PR stunt we did like that. And uh, <laughs> so we developed a whole feature that could be a great story for journalists and, like, and it worked like not really well. And, mm -hmm. and then you end up with a, with a the feature that is, is made for journalists and not exactly for the users. And you have to maintain that uh, for maybe like 5% of your users. So, uh, you know, it really be, become a pain in the ass and you wish you hadn't tried that. So, Was this a bus campaign that you're talking about? Um, no, not the bus campaign, but uh, the one for, for instance for the rating. We, we built it and we had to remove it and we had to maintain it for three months. 
so this one was worth because it was very cheap to uh, to uh, to uh, to, be, to to build, so it was easy to remove. But at some point in our company, we built a whole service, so there was someone manually matching you and talking to you in a chat. So we developed that for months. Mm-hmm. We pushed that, and this would impact very very small percent of our users. This was a very good PR story, and it was a, the whole focus of the company for maybe six months. Uh, we and we call that the dedicated matchmaker. So the, you had a real human than a computer talking with you to improve your profile and, uh, and matching you uh, all manually. And um, so this was very complex to put in place. And at the end of the day, we had to, we had to remove, remove it and remove it was very expensive for us. Yeah. So, so you need, really need to focus first on the UX and if it's good for the user, find a way to, uh, to, to, to get a good PR story uh, on it. Well, I think this is a good segue into what I want to talk about next is where you talk about like, how do you, why you should always have an open communication line with your users and that, you know, just having reviews, is not the best part of communication that you need. And I fully believe that, like you should talk to your users. And so using an app, there should be some open communication with that. So like, can you give me six examples, like maybe some tools you're using and how you have leveraged some of the users, the, the feedback into yeah. more acquisition or anything else yeah i completely agree with you is that when you start a, a, an app you have a clear idea of how it's going to work how the user is going to use it and and what is going to like and and you do your job and you test your app and you, you show everything uh, works perfectly and you launch the app and then you are kind of blind exactly. so you, you, can, you can use analytics tools, but analytics tools start to be relevant when you have a scale big enough uh, to get a, a enough data points. So at the very beginning, what you need is really a, a, a communication, communication channel with your users. And you know the reviews are good in the store. You, you, you have to, to keep an eye on it. Uh, and at the beginning, it's very important. But uh, what, I, what I suggest, and this, this is what we did also, and. Uh, we were not sure about it, to be honest, that my CEO was against it and he was like, you know, users don't know what they want. Uh, I know for them, uh, but I was like, I'm pretty sure we need to talk to them. And what we put is just, a, you know, contact us in the settings of your app. Mm. Uh, this could, can be linked to an email or a CRM tool. You, you have tools like Freshdesk, Zendesk uh, that, you, that you can leverage. Uh, and if you just put something there, some users are going to contact you and they are going to contact you for very relevant information for you. Uh, crashes, and it's very important at the beginning. Uh, app perception, give you better ideas, or maybe they are, they are going to motivate you. So those are uh, really like key information for you to prioritize your development and, uh, and understand uh, what the user like and what you, the user expect in your app. And you will quickly realize uh, that a lot of users are not using the app the way you expect. And um, for instance, for us, uh, we were like, okay, this is a quality app, so only users uh, that are very engaged about dating and only focused on quality are, are going to come. And we quickly realized that uh, uh, this was not the, the case at all. Plenty of users were coming. Uh, some uh, were coming for casual lookup, and the, those were probably easier to monetize than the usual ones. Mm-hmm. And we also had scammers, and we were not ready for that. <laughs> we had scammers, and and uh, and uh, yeah, uh, and we learned about it because people were complaining on our customer support. And at first, that's, that's how we, we, we found them. 
And uh, yeah, and we formed a lot of tech issues where we were deploying the first features uh, thanks to the customer support. And uh, at the beginning, my, my CEO was against the customer support and after maybe three months running it. So I, I, run it, I ran it like myself for a month and a half. Uh, and this was not the best period of my life because people are so tough, you know. Uh, but uh, I learned a lot and uh, we ended up uh, hire, uh, I mean, hiring people uh, to take care of the customer support. And uh, nowadays we still have a full team of customer support to answer uh, people's uh, complaints. And uh, yeah, you, know, you, learn, uh, you learn a lot about also what is unclear in your app. You're sure it's clear for you, but uh, you don't know it's, uh, it's not clear for the other. What are the benefits of being online? You know, I've got a couple, I've got another business called Copy Masters where I have this little online chat thing and I have it on App Masters too, but I've learned to, especially on the Copy Masters side, like where people don't know that who's behind this, I get a lot of great questions from there and I get it on my phone and people are asking, you know, different questions that I can then leverage. Are there any type of tools? I've seen some tools do this within apps where you can have like a little online chat feature where people can communicate with someone on your team right off the bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to be honest, when we did something like that, we developed the whole tool by our, uh, ourselves. Uh, and uh, uh, that's a feature I call the dedicated matchmaker. And uh, the, the good thing is that it, this was really brand new and very, very innovative, but it's something very, very hard to scale uh, when you have thousands of signups. Uh, yeah. Even when you start having like 100 people uh, trying this feature, it's, uh, it becomes a nightmare very quickly. But you have other way to mitigate your risk and only... Uh, uh, engage a small portion of your users and uh, yeah the first day we tried that I felt like Indiana Jones trying uh, you know discovering a new jungle a new adventure uh, but this is the kind of tool that is very difficult to develop and uh, yeah you can use some SaaS uh, that are uh, helping you to uh, uh, to uh, to do that for instance uh, I know that Zendesk uh, has an SDK and in this SDK they are providing you uh, a tool directly to chat with the uh, with your users in your app so, so you can answer. We are not leveraging that because it's very hard to respond instantaneously. But when you are on a smaller scale, mm -hmm. this can be a very good way to, uh, to get feedback very quickly. And you said when you scale, you can use these, you have other options. Like you just sent out a survey about dating, especially during these lockdown yeah. times. Mm -hmm. And then you were able to leverage that for PR. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's true that at some point, uh, it's very difficult just to get feedback from, uh, from your customer support because like even now we, we handle something like 3,000 tickets every month. Uh, so uh, we, we get data from it and uh, we sort them so we have a clear idea of uh, what are the, the biggest issues. But uh, when you scale, you have other options. Uh, what you can do is that you can uh, send some uh, you know, forms like Google Forms or SurveyMonkey. You can send them uh, through uh, push notifications. And also, you can get feedback using pure analytics and metrics. Uh, basically, we discovered that at the end of the day, the best is to measure everything. So we try to measure everything. And everything we ship, we have a way to measure it. We have a way to activate it and a way to measure it. And uh, yeah, recently, what we did uh, uh, is in this uh, pandemic period, uh, we were wondering how people were reacting to uh, to, the, to the lockdown in terms of dating. So we prepared a, a whole a survey on Google Forms and uh, made a big push notification to our users. And uh, in a couple of hours, we had 4,000 answers. And, uh, and we, we used uh, these answers to, 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 to make a good PR story. And uh, a lot of uh, journalists were happy to, to pick it up and, uh, and talk about the, the dating during the, the lockdown phase. Okay. 
what, what were some of the angles? What did you find out through these surveys? <laughs> Good question. I was not the one handling it, so I, I, I haven't checked the exact answers, to be honest. Okay. Well, the other thing I want to get back to as well, you said, hey, when you figure out the paid acquisition that really helped out, but you got to know your LTV. So with that LTV in mind, how, are you, how did you guys approach monetization? And then, you know, what kind of strategies work from getting people to subscribe to the app as well? Ha, ha, ha. This, this was a long, long process. And to be honest, I, I think we managed to monetize before we managed to properly measure uh, the LTV because you, want, you, you need something to measure, so you need to make money before, um, uh, uh, before uh, uh, computing an LTV. Uh, the thing is that we tried very early to do some monetization, but not with a very big focus. Uh, and uh, we were very happy at, uh, at the beginning to see that some people were really willing, willing to pay. Uh, but uh, this was in fact very small people and uh, we were very young, very naive, and uh, we didn't know how to measure exactly. And uh, uh, months after months where we were growing, we were more focused on acquisition. And at some point we really had to focus uh, because of the, uh, you know, the, our engagement to the VCs and stuff like that. We had really to focus on monetization. And, uh, what we found out is that if you want to find key, key point to monetize, you have to be very bold uh, and, uh, and be able to, I mean, be capable to, to try very risky things. Uh, and this is uh, an advice I, I got from, uh, from Tinder in a conference where I was, and I completely agree with that because it did apply to us. Uh, a very good advice. It doesn't apply to everyone, but uh, uh, the, the advice is the following one. Be be prepared to break your value proposition if needed to monetize. So uh, wh what does that mean? Is that uh, you, you, set, you set some rules in your app or some perceptions, some value propositions, and you, you, you may have to break it to monetize. So for instance, like let's say for Tinder, uh, Tinder was known because you, you could like swipe unlimited, uh, uh, unlimitedly uh, on, on users and to monetize it, they had to limit the user. Uh, in a game, what you can do is that you, you put some common rules from everyone on the game, but you can give some unfair advantage to your users. You can make them pay for this unfair advantage. Uh, for us, for instance, we are the slow dating app and we give you a, a match picked for you every day. But some people want to go faster. So you have to give them options to go faster. So we broke our rules and people were willing to pay for that. And yeah, uh, why you can do that? Like I think app makers don't get uh, why, why you can do that and break your rules. Uh, I think there are two, two key things that are missing. As the app maker, you feel that breaking the rules of your app is really bad. But this is not, as I told you, like people always think the user is going to use the app the way you want them to, to use it. But they don't have that perception. And it seems if, if some of your users are willing to pay to break the rules, like keep in mind that they are happy to break the rules. Mm. And so don't see, don't see this as something very bad for, for your app. Like those users are, are, are willing to pay. So they are happy to break the rules. And the, the second point that is very important is that people think about the, the, the paying feature as something that is going to impact their whole user base. And in fact, 
this perception is completely wrong. Like your correlation is going to be between 0% and 10% saying users and probably closer to 0%. So you're gonna have like 1%, 3% of your users paying. So if you break the rules for 3% of the users, you are not going to alienate 100% of your users. Like 97% of your users are still like respecting the rules. Mm -hmm. So you are not breaking the, the, the value proposition of your whole service. You are breaking the, the value proposition of your service just for 3%, 5% of the users. So like, don't be afraid to be creative and be bold uh, uh, and to try risky things. Uh, and another way you can try risky things and you, you need to keep that in mind, I think it's very important. Uh, you, need, you need to have a way when you, when you launch a new feature or a new payroll, a way to activate your feature on a subset of users and desactivate this feature. This is, so this is what we call a feature flag. And this is very important uh, because you, you, can, you can activate a feature just on a subset of users. So before doing something super risky on all of your users, you can pick 5% of your users and test your hypothesis. Uh, and if you make any mistake, and this mistake can be a, a tech mistake, uh, it can be a marketing mistake, it can be a design mistake, you can still disable the feature, fix the things, launch the update, and reactivate the features. So this is really critical, and, at some, uh, and it's even more important when you manage to monetize when you start monetizing and you know you have a, a proper monetization model, every move you make can have a, can have a bad effect on, on your monetizations. So having a, some feature fact is really critical and also leveraging feature fact, what you can usually do also is uh, some A-B test. So split in different groups and, uh, and test different hypotheses. I like that. That's really cool. I like the, the way you put it too, because I think it sort of is macro, like you got to break your own rules. You got to figure out what your value proposition and be, be willing to alienate a portion of your users who are going to want to pay. And, you know, one of my previous guests, Brian, who used to work at Backflip, he said he monetizes games on impatience. And it's sort of like, yeah, yeah that's the best way of putting it. Like people are going to be impatient. They want more out of your app. And so how can you provide them with more? Hey, any other, like from a tactical level, were you guys showing the pricing pages early on? How did you guys test when to actually get people to join the VIP access? Uh, ha, good question. I think what is uh, one of the mistakes we made is that when you grow and you start adding features and features and features, uh, your overall UX can, uh, I mean, if you add new features, there's a risk that. Uh, some, this new feature is going to be diluted in a much bigger UX. And uh, uh, one of the mistakes we made is that we, we put a paywall and the conditions and the criteria to, to meet to, 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 to trigger this paywall were uh, in fact very uh, difficult uh, to trigger. Uh, it was, this case was happening in fact to, to too many users. So our paywall uh, was, was good but not uh, visible enough for most of the users. So that's why now uh, I tend to think that uh, if, you, if you lose analytics properly, one of the things you have to keep an eye on is your full activation funnel from mm -hmm. install to sign up to the main action of your app. Just you want to make sure that most of the, your users are going to do the main action of your app. And then you want to check that they are going to see the payroll and then convert. And 
sometimes you, you're going to feel that the, you don't have a lot of paying users. And if you dig in this activation funnel, what you will see is what happened to us, is that the, the, the paywall was not visible to enough users. So like, keep in mind that when you try uh, to launch a, a new feature, how do I make sure that this feature is going to impact as many users as possible? Because you may have a very cool feature, but if this, uh, if this feature is going to impact only 10% of your users, the overall impact on your overall metrics, like uh, retention and, uh, and revenues, is, go is, going to be is going to be minimum anyway. So yeah, try to, 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 to have a good sense of what is happening to your users, uh, uh, what you see every day and where is engaged. Yeah, I love it. I love the way you broke it down to install, obviously, gotta get them to install, signups, main action to get them to get that early win, paywall, and then obviously get that payment as well. The other yeah. thing I wanna mention too, and I love this piece of advice is when you are getting those users in, show the best of your app as early as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you always think that your user is going to stay and, uh, and if you have a, like a killer feature, you, you have to make your user earn the access to this feature. And in fact, this is not the way to go because on any app, you're gonna lose at least 50% of your users on the first day, uh, yeah. most of the time. So what you want to do is like show the, the best of your app as early as possible. Even if, he, if this has to be before a sign up, uh, like do it, do it, be bold. Uh, don't, don't hide the best feature behind a sign up if you can do that. Just to, because like, even a sign up, you are going to lose some users, whatever you do. Uh, a sign up is friction. And sometimes you, 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 can't, you can do without a sign up. In our case, in dating, you can't do without a sign up to identify users and, uh, and make sure they are engaged and uh, be able to block them if they do something bad. So you need to identify uh, them. But in some cases, like we, 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 we put a sign up just because we want to you know a user profile and be able to save some stuff for the users. But are you sure that a sign up is, a, is, uh, is really important to show the best of your app? And if you can, put the best as early as possible. I love it. Hey, Guillaume, anything we missed that we want to make sure we cover? I thought we covered a lot of great stuff. No, no, no. I think uh, I, I said it all, but uh, like, if you have any other question, uh, Steve, feel free to reach out and I'd be uh, happy to, to share more. Yeah, we got we to gotta have you back on as well. Hey, before we the, hit the big finish, I do want to thank one of our sponsors, theorem look guys if you're thinking about especially for mobile game developers adding more monetization schemes into your monetization mix think about rewarded surveys if you think about like really trying to monetize give people like Guillaume said only about five percent of your users are going to pay for that subscription are going to pay for that in-app purchase so how do you monetize the rest of the 95 percent well rewarded videos are great well think about rewarded surveys as well and you'll find that people want like more spendable stuff. And one of the best tips that I got from him, from Tom, who is the founder, was if you put rewarded surveys with things that are spendable, like things that people can spend right away within your app, you're going to actually get more money because it's a rewarded survey, more engaged than just a rewarded video, and also increase that retention because they've got something that they can spend in your app that will make them want to stay longer as well. They make it super easy. Got a brand new sponsor and I'm super excited to have them on. It is called theoremreach.com. Go check them out and let them know that you heard it on this particular podcast, but theoremreach.com. Guillaume, this has been absolutely amazing, but let's go to the big finish. Besides once, give us one other app we should definitely check out. Haha. 
I'm not going to be super creative, but uh, as, a, as an app maker, I really love YouTube. I think the, the way they build the, the, the addiction in the, in the app is uh, really brilliant. And uh, I wish I was the one to, who made it. <laughs> you know what I do too? I go there to search for something and then get caught up in the stupid feed. And it's just like, what the hell? I just get, I lost like 20 minutes of my time. Exactly. And uh, that's how, uh, how I ended up uh, discovering uh, Steve P. Young. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, yeah. Good. Well, thanks, you too. <laughs> what's a lesson that, and it could be business or personal related, but what's a lesson that took you the longest to learn? Ha, ha, ha. The longest to learn. Um, might not be the longest, but I think it's, uh, it's the most relevant one. I was, I'm more like a kind guy and I was very surprised how violent you can be on your users. As soon as you know how to bring users in your app, you can be much more violent on your users than you think. And you should definitely try ballsy things. And don't be afraid. Like, think, think your app like a cartoon, you know, in your cartoon, when you have an emotion or something, it's always big. So try big things and think big. I love it. I love it. The app is called Once. Go check out the website, getonce.com. Gim, if the audience wants to follow up with you personally, do you want to send them anywhere else? Yeah. Uh, oh, they can follow me on Twitter at Gigito. Uh, <laughs> I'd share that with you. And uh, you can find me on LinkedIn and uh, feel free to reach, uh, reach out to me if you have any questions. I'm, I'm always happy to share with the, the mobile community. Well, guys, we moved to a different podcast hosting called Anchor, and I love it. And if you click on any of those links now, they're all embedded, so you can literally click on. I've been saying it for a long time, like never got it to work, but now you can literally click on Guillaume's name, connect with him Twitter, let him know on Twitter that you found this useful. I thought it was great. Be bold, be risky, get out there, and go make it happen. Guillaume, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Thanks for having me. It was my pleasure. And thank you all for listening. I'll see you on the next chat. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.